0: Again, thank you for downloading this sermon. We pray it will enrich your walk with Christ. God bless you, and we look forward to welcoming you and your family to the Chapel of the Cross. I was standing in the sacristy five minutes before the service began, not this service. It was the Friday Noonday Eucharist, and at the Friday Noonday Eucharist, a senior seminarian always preaches. At this Friday Noonday Eucharist, it was my turn to preach. I was quite nervous. The gospel lesson I had at my disposal to preach about was from Luke. It was all of four verses that read, Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the deeds of power done in you have been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But at the judgment, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven No, you will be brought down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me. And whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. It's a wonderful gospel lesson. (laughs) You only get one chance to preach a senior sermon to your classmates and professors, and this was the gospel I had been given. This was the hand I had been dealt While standing in the sacristy waiting for the service to begin, I lamented this fact. The Reverend Dr. Tony Lewis, a recently retired professor of New Testament, said in response to my lamenting, I love scripture. (laughs) Well, what about the hard pieces of scripture like today's gospel lesson? I replied. I love all Scripture because even in the hard pieces, gold can be found and something can be said. Today's gospel lesson is hard, but I have worked to mine the gold it offers us and something I believe can be said. In our gospel, our immediate reaction is to hold in on Jesus' seeming apathetic and crude response to the Gentile woman because that is not the compassionate Jesus that we know. Now, if you really want me to, I can put you to sleep. I can talk about the various interpretations of Jesus' response to this Gentile woman. I can dive deep into the Greek use of the word dog to discover what Jesus really might have been saying to her. I can delve into the background of Matthew's gospel and what we know about the writer of Matthew and what he might be telling us by putting this story in his gospel. All of that is good and well and will make a great Bible study, but none of that is the gold that Dr. Lewis was was referring to that day in the sacristy. The gold in this story, what our focus should be about and the way in which we should strive to live our lives every day lies in the fact that Jesus' compassion and love knows no bounds. This Canaanite woman could not have been more vastly different than our Lord. She is a woman. He is a man. She a Gentile. He a Jew. She a Canaanite. He an Israelite. The healing of this woman's daughter not only crossed all cultural, ethnic, and religious barriers, it completely destroyed them. The fact that she even approached Jesus being who she is and he being who he is is unbelievable and perhaps is a reason why the disciples wish to dismiss her quickly. Jesus' society tells him to stay away from this woman. Pay no attention to her. Have nothing to do with her. Discard her. She is not worth your time. The gold this story offers us is that we serve a Lord whose compassion and love knows no bounds. And therefore, our love and compassion should know the same. I bought a book this week. I had some trouble finding a bookstore that carried it in the area. I went to Barnes & Noble. They did not have it. I tried Books a Million, thinking that surely surely a place named Books a Million would have this book. I guess I ought to change the name to Books a 999,999, <laughs> because they did not carry it. I was surprised that even Lemuria did not carry it, because it is a book about Mississippi. More specifically, Meridian, Mississippi, my hometown, I ended up buying the book on Amazon from a third-party seller. The book I was looking for is called Terror in the Night, The Klan's Campaign Against the Jews, written by Jack Nelson. I have never read it, but it is a familiar book to me. I grew up with it sitting on my parents' shelf in their living room. From time to time, I would pull it off the bookshelf and read from pages 131 and 132. In those two pages, an exchange takes place one evening between Chief Roy Gunn of the Meridian Police Department and Dr. William Apperson, the pastor of First Christian Church, while standing under a streetlight in the front of the church. In that exchange during the 1960s, Chief Gunn has come to a moral crossroads in dealing with the high racial tensions in the city of Meridian The Ku Klux Klan was threatening African Americans and Jews alike, along with their sympathizers. Synagogues have been bombed and African American churches set fire to. There was an interracial group of religious and business leaders in the Meridian area that formed the Committee on Conscience. This committee raised funds to rebuild these synagogues and churches that had been damaged or destroyed by the Klan in Meridian. As the violence continued, members of the Committee of Conscience became targets. Dr. Apperson, the pastor of First Christian Church who spoke with Chief Gunn that evening, was on the Committee of Conscience. A rock was thrown through his window by the Ku Klux Klan, bearing a message to Dr. Apperson, his wife and his two daughters that said, you and your family will get yours. I'm proud to say that Dr. Apperson is my grandfather and the mother of those and and hit the youngest of his two daughters is my mother. Earlier this week, I talked to my mother about those fearful times, about her, my aunt, and my grandparents having to live in the back of the house, about the Meridian Police Department guarding the doors and patrolling the block for 24 hours, about my grandmother having to walk my mother to school during those dark days. When I read those pages from that book, when I hear my mother recollect those events, it doesn't seem possible. It doesn't seem possible that such a time could have existed that vicious hatred, racism, bigotry, threats, and violence were practiced. A mentor once told me that the sermons I preach will often be the sermons I need to hear. So I need to hear me preach this. I need to see it written on these pages in black and white. I need to hear it reverberate off of these parish wall halls. I have been to Charlottesville once in my life, and that was when Mississippi State beat the brakes off of the University of Virginia to advance to the College World Series in 2013. It was not me in Charlottesville last weekend. It was not me who lit a tiki torch and marched in the night. It was not me who shouted, you will not replace us, and Jews will not replace us. It was not me who killed nine African Americans at Mother Emanuel Church after a Bible study in Charleston, South Carolina two years ago. But it is me, it is me who has kept silent. It is me who has not said enough. It is me who has not taken a stand It is me who has not spoken out against the evil and the sin of racism, bigotry, violence, and hatred. On this day, we see our Lord's compassion and love for the Canaanite woman, someone immensely unlike him. On this day, we see our Lord stand up for and listen to the voice of this marginalized woman. On this day, I cannot be silent any longer. I must speak out. Here is where I draw an unequivocal line in the sand. Here is where I stake my unwavering claim. Here is where I make my protest. I will not stand for the evils of racism. I will not adhere to bigotry. I will not conform to violence. I will not sip the poison of hatred. And I will speak out against all of these. This is not a bold stance like my grandfather took in the 1960s. I don't think a rock will be thrown through my window this evening bearing the words, you and your family will get yours. But this is the same stance that my grandfather took in the 1960s. It is the right stance, and it is a stance that I need to take. I invite you to join me. In just a few minutes, joined by our Lord, who healed the Canaanite woman's daughter, and whose compassion and love is not bound by race, ethnicity, nationality, creed, sexual orientation or religion, we will celebrate this Eucharist. We will eat and drink together the bread and the wine that unify us together in the body of Christ and all are welcome to this table. Come join me. Come join me around this table. May this Eucharist be our protest against violence, hatred, bigotry, racism, and that which works to divide us as we reach out for our Lord and receive that which unites us, the body of Christ, the bread of heaven, and the blood of Christ, the cup of salvation. Come join me at the table. Amen.